We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm the Debbie Coordinator at RotoViz, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick, who is the Dynasty Coordinator at RotoViz. And last few weeks, we've been talking about wide receiver quite a bit, but now it's time that we talk about some running backs, and not only just running backs in general, but running backs of the future. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about some uh, top college prospects at the wide receiver position who would be moving on into the NFL real soon. And uh, now it's the running back's turn. Some some uh, players that I, a lot of people, a lot of listeners may already be familiar with because the uh, 2020 NFL draft class of, of running backs seems to be absolutely stacked to the brim with talent. But uh, before we dive in, Curtis, are you, are you, I'm super pumped about the 2020 class. Are you one that's really bought in or are you a little bit hesitant to trust, you know, inflating any, any draft class? Oh man, like this is, we just do it every year. We get excited about the next year. I mean, we've been pointing to 2020 for a couple seasons, but I think that the Debbie community is always pointing to, you know, a year or two out and being really excited. But I do think there's going to be a lot of immediate impact in next year's class because of the top heavy nature at the running back position. And we've seen running back really take over and in, in dynasty over the last couple of years and people being willing to be more heavily invested with um, their roster uh, in the running back position and, and maybe building through value wide receivers and spending those early draft picks or trading elite players for running backs. So um, good year to own picks for, um, but you know, not everybody will necessarily declare we're going to have some injuries that are going to thin the herd. It's just life. It's what happens. So we can be excited about all these guys, um, you know, but we're going to talk about five today. Uh, I would say history would dictate probably not all five will be available to us in rookie drafts next year. So um, just uh, that's the reality. You hate you hate to say it, but that's the reality. So 
but in, in general, you got to love uh, owning a lot of 2020 picks right now because the hype does feel very, very real. Yeah, it does feel real right, right now. And every year we're hyping something. I mean, I felt like for forever we were hyping the, the 2019 running back class or wide receiver class and, and the running backs we were fading. The running backs did turn out to be unimpressive. So we were kind of right about that. But the wide receivers uh, didn't turn out to be the elite crop, I think, that, that a lot of us were were hoping for in terms of, you know, absolute top end draft capital and no questions and anywhere in their profile. And there just turned out to be less of those <laughs> uh, and more questions than, than answers with those guys. So I'm hoping that there's less questions about the uh, the top running backs just because it's more fun to get <laughs> absolutely pumped about uh, a draft class as they they come in but uh, since uh, you know I did a few weeks back I did before we jump in here I did want to kind of highlight one player that we're not going to spend a ton of time on uh, I started doing a Debbie player of the week kind of highlight and uh, he is also a running back but we won't spend too much time on him but Chuba Hubbard uh, for Oklahoma State uh, is a guy that uh, I think a lot more people need to have on the radar uh, as a serious running back prospect for 2020 or perhaps 2021. Uh, you know, Justice Hill, it w- we are going to probably talk about him here on, on an episode here soon. His former teammate actually uh, is gone now, obviously, and is on the Ravens. So he's got a huge opportunity to be the feature back for Oklahoma State this year. And Hubbard is a guy, I mean, he had 16 yards per carry in high school. He, he was, he's got legit track speed. He ran a 10 six in the 100 meters. If you're familiar with track, that's really fast. Guys like, you know, that are trying to make for the Olympics or in, in high school than in the 10 twos, threes and fours. Uh, so he's really got some legit wheels. And so he's got plenty of opportunity. He's got plenty of speed. He's got adequate size even even more so than his his former teammate in justice hill so i'm excited to see what hubbard does uh this year but won't spend too much time on him he's he's kind of outside the top five and he's you know he's probably top maybe 10 for some people maybe 12 uh running backs for 2020 and beyond but uh want to get to some other guys on this week's episode but before we do let's uh tell tell you know everyone where they can play some fantasy football all right, fam. It's been 10 years since our friends at the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and now they've grown to be the world's largest dynasty league commissioners with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up, and in standard uh, Superflex and Best Bell formats. $77, $250, all the way up to $5,000. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts, which are filling daily. And you can't forget about the main event. Uh, you want to win 500 grand? Come play against me and Sean Siegel. Try your hand there. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. And just a reminder all new subscribers to Dynasty Command Center, our Slack channel. Go to DynastyCommandCenter.com to check that out. You get a $35 league credit uh, just for signing up. You can use that on any Dynasty League fee, $77 or higher. Okay, Travis. Well, we want to get into our consensus top five Debbie running backs. Um, and we, we've got the same five guys, uh, which is great. They're in slightly different order. But, you know, we still got another season worth of production to look at. We don't know 
um, the, the specific details of athletic measurables, certainly not uh, any draft capital uh, information yet. So the fact that we agree on the same five names, I think is pretty great. Uh, hmm. What I want to do is throw these guys out to you. Um, and if you can kind of just take the listeners through a, a general profile, uh, you know, maybe what some of the pros and cons of, of each of these players are. And then I want to compare each player <clears throat> to Marlon Mack. The reason we're going to compare each player to Marlon Mack in terms of value, he's he's sitting at uh, Dynasty running back 16 in FFPC ADP right now. And he kind of sits at a spot where he's the first valuable running back that doesn't have uh, either, you know, super considerable NFL production uh, to his name yet or high end NFL draft pedigree. And so we're going to just say, hey, straight up, would you trade Marlon Mack for this Debbie running back? Uh, and I think that, you know, that'll be that kind of value proposition there that'll make it uh, an actionable episode for folks instead of just a research based. So let's start with Travis Etienne uh, from Clemson. What yeah. do we need to know about this guy? Well, I mean, a lot of people have heard the name Travis Etienne just because I mean, he plays for Clemson. Uh, and obviously when you play for Clemson uh, these days, uh, you get on national television quite a lot and uh, you uh, win a lot of important games and you make a lot of pivotal plays and, and, and pivotal moments. And so a lot of people are familiar with ETN and how he has kind of progressed and, and really taken over the Clemson backfield in, in the past couple of years. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, people were more excited about Tavian Feaster because uh, he came out and was, you know, top end running back. He had basically, you know, no questions in his profile coming into college and he looked like the real deal. But Travis Etienne just took the reins and said, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm better <laughs> and I'm, I'm faster and I'm more agile and I've got better vision or whatever, whatever else you want to kind of add to it. But the one area where a lot of people are, are question, questioning, especially here recently, um, with Travis Etienne is his receiving ability. Cause in today's NFL, you know, you have to catch the ball to stay on the field. I mean, we look at guys like Derrick Henry who just doesn't never figure out how to catch the ball and, and the, you know, he can't be trusted to bring any real consistent receiving ability and or, or production. And that really needs to get cleaned up in his game if he's going to be successful at the next level. And if he's even going to see elite level draft capital at the next level, because I think if you look at, um, you know, maybe an exception might be Leonard Fournette. I mean, he didn't have the crazy receiving chops uh, that, um, you know, a Saquon Barkley or a Christian McCaffrey did coming out of college. But more often than not, you want your feature back or your potential feature, feature back to have that receiving ability. And when you look at his profile, he doesn't have a whole lot of receptions. And when he just came out recently in, in, in an interview, unwisely so, and, and said he kind of is almost like afraid of the ball or struggles to catch the ball. I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was not not a good look for a running back prospect who's trying to prove his worth in, in, in the NFL and to NFL scouts here in the near future. You know, he has like 300 plus carries over two years and 2,400 plus rushing yards, but then he only has 17 catches in two seasons. That's not <laughs> That's not exactly promising if you want somebody to – come in and be an every down back. So that's the real concern with, with Travis Etienne. I'm not really concerned about much else. I, mean, I think he's really proven himself as a runner. Uh, I think he's there's really not many questions there. He's not exactly a super thick back. I'm, I'm not really sure how much he weighs. I've seen his list weight kind of fluctuate uh, depending on where you look. 
Uh, so he's not like a 220 pound back by any means, but coming out of high school, he actually did run about a four four forty. So if he holds on to some of that speed and uh, checks some boxes at the combine next spring, I think a lot of people will, you know, their eyes will perk up and they might forget about the receiving deficiencies. And, and you know, he had a, a vertical, I think it was 37, 38 inches in high school, which for a running back is, I mean, that's already above average for an NFL wide receiver at the combine. So I, that's, that's solid uh, for uh, running backs. But I, I don't think he's going to have any questions besides the receiving. Uh, I mean, some people, though, lastly, uh, do want to throw out narratives surrounding like his school. Well, he, he played for Clemson, but when is the last time Clemson had a back that was very good? And I, I actually have the answer. Obviously, recently uh, we, we saw C.J. Spiller come out and uh, have about three, maybe four years of pretty solid relevance. Uh, but even beyond that, we had Andre Ellington uh, come out and actually have a couple years of relevance. Uh, and way back in the day, you got to go back to like the 90s and early 2000s. But uh, Terry Allen played with three three teams, I believe, kind of finished up his career with the Redskins. So there's three running backs that have come out of Clemson that have had relative success and some some draft capital in the NFL. But there's just not a, a – anytime you're trying to talk about the narrative surrounding like a, a school, there's just not many – like even the top-end schools only have a handful of guys that succeed in the pros. So that's a that's kind of an empty narrative. And I'm actually going to be doing a series on uh, some narratives surrounding schools and, and some production from different schools and NFLU and that type of debate here soon. But I won't spend all the time on that. But ETN is super intriguing outside of his receiving ability. So how much does that worry you, Curtis, if you're looking at a guy who only has 17 catches to his name? At this point, it still doesn't worry me. If if he grades out well enough as a runner, the amount of film he has against other top schools, putting up a career 7.8 yards per carry in the Power 5. I mean, we all gushed over Daryl Henderson having those types of numbers in his career uh, out of Memphis. Now, well, now, we're talking about Clemson now. Um, so I, I think he has enough there to still be an early draft pick, uh, more of a top two round guy, even if people view the receiving as a wart. I don't think he's going to slide into, into the third round because of what he can do athletically as well. And I mean, we've seen backs who didn't have large receiving uh, market share in college go on to actually round that out in their game or disprove narratives. Um, we had a lot of these same concerns about Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Uh, when he came out and, um, you know, it, one of the things a- around that, that maybe would differ a little bit is Wisconsin just doesn't typically throw, uh, to their primary back, but he, he really improved over the course of the first three years, uh, his first three years in the NFL in that category to where now, you know, most people would look at him as a plus receiver and it's certainly for fantasy, uh, purposes. So, uh, it's not something that can't be fixed. He just has to show requisite receiving ability and if teams don't have problems with his pass blocking he really only needs to be an average receiver uh to get the third down work um not you know not everyone is going to be david johnson uh and and be (laughs) able to run routes from from different places on the field that's just not going to happen i mean um so you know really I, i would almost look more to his pass blocking grade and and if it's there I think teams will invest in making sure that, you know, he, he can catch the ball, even if he's just going to be a check down or swing pass back. So um, let's, let's do the value equation here. Would you trade 
Marlon Mack for ETN in a Debbie League? I most certainly would. And to somebody that doesn't play in a Debbie League where you can have college players on your roster, that may seem kind of crazy, but I think it's almost implied at this point that Travis Etienne is like a first round talent, uh, at least a top 50 pick type talent. So he's, he's going to be, you know, getting all the draft capital. He's going to be getting all the hype next year. He's going to be an early first round pick. So would you rather have a, you know, a super hyped up top, top five, 20, 20 pick almost locked in with the, with Travis Etienne, or would you prefer uh, Marlon Mack who, it, you know, he's produced and, but there are questions. So I think for me, it's, it's still Etienne. Are you, are you, are you there with the ETN just yet? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Mac, I, I think Mac has some of the same questions about his receiving ability that we're talking about ETN. Uh, and he also has Naeem Hines and Paris Campbell competing for the same types of touches that we would want for most running backs. So, yeah, I, hands down, I, I would make this trade. Let's move yeah. on to DeAndre Swift. Sure. Georgia Bulldogs definitely <laughs> have a strong track. You want to talk about track record with backs <laughs> yeah. in the NFL? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they're on a pretty nice okay. hot streak right now <laughs> so get yeah i mean give, give us give us a minute or two on swift here sure so swift didn't have um he may not have the same speed as etn but he's got more prototypical size and i think when you talk to a bunch of uh film uh based analysts you're going to get a lot more fans of swift because i mean he does have all the contact balance he does all the right things inside uh in between the tackles and I think a lot of people want to knock him, though, uh, because he just split time with Elijah Holyfield at Georgia this past year, and, and Holyfield is now an undrafted free agent. But really, that's just that, – that, that's just – people shouldn't worry about that. That's just how Georgia has, has run their offense recently. It's been two backs. They really got to go – I mean, like with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, even that year where they had DeAndre Swift and, and Sony Michelle and Chubb, they actually really used three backs, like – Swift's first year, even when Michelle and Chubb were there, he had just shy of 100 touches still. In fact, he opened it up and he has a receiving ability. As a true freshman, he actually had 17 catches, even though he was the running back three for Georgia. So I think he's got an incredibly balanced skill set. He's got the NFL build you want to see. I'm curious about what his long speed is because he actually abstained from doing those type of drills in high school, Uh, had agility. Uh, out the wazoo <laughs> as a as an incoming uh, prospect and obviously he's a top rated prospect for a long time but he's somebody that is almost a Sherlock for top 40 capital as well and Georgia I mean <laughs> you've got Noshan Moreno uh, Isaiah Crowell uh, Todd Gurley Sony Michelle Nick Chubb like you have a ton of guys uh, that have come out of of Georgia and had recent success since uh, 2008 so and there's not really the concern there but I think also when it comes to Marlon Mack, I think I definitively and, and confidently, because I actually have Swift over ETN right now, I would actually take Swift easily over Mack. And I think I would probably take him over somebody even further up the line in the ranks. And which again, might sound crazy, but I'm pretty confident with Swift and, and his ability to find success. Uh, is he your running back one right now? I, I've kind of just got a top tier. I really haven't settled on who my one is i've got a one next to etn's name um but i've, I've kind of got a, a tier of three guys uh one of them we haven't talked about yet that i really haven't settled out honestly i'm just waiting to see kind of what happens in uh yeah. the 2019 college football season um kind of just talking through this and seeing what each of these players did as 18 year old true freshmen 
if you want to if you want to give the lean to the guy that's demonstrated the receiving ability, considering almost everything else is equal, I have no problem with that. Um, you know, running the ball, each of these guys really efficient on a per touch basis, and and you got to give the nod slightly to Swift on level of yeah. competition in the SEC. So sure. you know, I might might have to jockey around with that a little bit, but I, <laughs> I'm really viewing, and and in general, I really do truly view Debbie as as much more of a tier based. Agreed. value system uh than than rankings things things can change and um quickly <laughs> you know and, and we're never going to have all the information on these guys till they, they're actually uh have been drafted and, and have gone through the combine process even so um I, I like to throw darts in tiers um rather than be too overly uh obsessed with uh the number about a specific rank but I, i'm i'm right there with you uh hands down would trade yeah. marlon mack for deandre swift so uh, we've got three more guys to cover, but yes, before we do. we do, want to remind uh, the team here about Yahoo Fantasy. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't have to do anything else after the draft. Each week, your top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the extra weekly time commitment. There's no waiver wire, no trades. No adding or dropping players, and no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having other players drop out early or not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting with fantasy football. Join a league today at sports.yahoo.com slash bestball. Coming soon to the fantasy app on Yahoo. All right, Cam Akers. Cam Akers is a guy that's, you know, he was really hyped coming out of high school. Florida State. Um, some questions about his per-touch efficiency, but I think you could probably explain a little bit of that for us. So what, what do we need to know about Akers? Well, first off, Akers, I mean, he was an interesting prospect. He was basically like 90, almost 99th percentile spark score coming out of high school. Uh, he, he was almost like a wildcat quarterback more than he was a, a standard running back at times when he came out. Uh, a lot of people had him at pegged as the number one running back prospect in the country. He was up there with, uh, Najee Harris from Alabama. Harris has kind of faded in the ranks just a little bit, but, Cam Akers has a balanced skill set. Uh, he, he does catch the ball. He, he does run well inside the tackles when he's not scared of his offensive line making a horrible uh, mistake. And, and that's really the issue. It, it's, it's Florida State has really held him back. In 2017, he had over a thousand yards. Even when Florida State just didn't have a quarterback figured out and things were, it was just kind of a mess. Last year, it even got slightly worse <laughs> for, for Cam Akers and that offense. And there, he's got some bad reps on tape. Just kind of hesitating, jumping around, hiding, <laughs> but it's not his fault. I think the uh, offensive line for Florida State is probably bottom ten in the entire in all of FBS. It's like they're having to start over from scratch, and it's it's really rough. And there's no hope on the horizon. So he's not going to get any help going into the most important year of his college career. And so I'm not super concerned if he comes out and barely averages five yards per carry in college and. You know, doesn't even get a thousand yards rushing, but does get some catches again. Cause I, I think we all know what, what Cam Akers is skill wise and athletically. He's probably going to come out and have the most impressive combine 
next spring, spring except, well, J.K. Dobbins, well, yeah, J.K. Dobbins might come out and have a better one, but those two will be the most elite athletes at the position probably from a balance standpoint because he ran a, a 4-4, maybe a little bit faster in high school, had a vertical over 40 inches. Like the dude's an absolute monster. So I'm not worried about him. He's still still very much so in the running back one conversation for next year. Is he there for you? Uh, I don't have him in that tier. I have him in in a second tier. Um, yeah. But, but but I mean, I, you know, production does matter. Um, production does matter. But it, it's not something that would steer me away from Acres. I have two Debbie shares of Acres. Um, yeah. What he did, you know, over a thousand yards rushing is a, a true freshman. Um, he's shown um, decent receiving ability. So you know, I I just think he's a guy that I don't know that he's really in the picture as a potential first round NFL pick unless he can do a little bit. Um, put some more impressive film uh, up you know i think you know you look at like what david montgomery did not having a good line yeah um and having to create in space for, uh, make his own space essentially because his team didn't <laughs> give him anything that that's no. kind of how I, I view what's happened to acres the difference is you know he came in he came into college football with with much more of a a pedigree and an awareness of his ability than than david montgomery so uh you know we see montgomery go in the third round in a trade-up situation and I could see Akers being a guy that maybe slides into the the top fifty, you know, first half of the second round, and and a team that really has trusted their grades on him um, since his freshman year. Um, but maybe you know he's just not going to have uh, those Heisman Trophy type uh, numbers that that we like to see from our running backs. So yeah. um, I think you know when we talk about Marlon Mack and Akers, um, to me, that's kind of a toss up right now. Uh, I think it would almost be team situation based because I just don't know how much value Akers will have on day one. I think his range of outcomes at the draft is still a little wider. So if if I'm competing, I think I can win that title this year. I think I might hold Mac, uh, especially if he's like my running back too. But if if I'm not in a, a clear title situation this year, um, I, I would be willing to make the deal for acres. What about you? Yeah, I think that's, that's right about where I am. I think if I'm competing and I, I could win a ship, I'm not going to move off of my potential running back too. I mean, you may, maybe you, you, what you paid for him now, he's your running back three, but that's still a pretty pivotal piece to winning now. And so, I mean, that, that I think that's the name of the game. You, we, we play to win the game, but uh, obviously K makers is right there, but he's the first one in this, in this conversation that I'm a little bit you know, hesitant. Etienne and uh, Swift, I, I definitely would take, but Acres is kind of borderline. But I think just from where I think their careers will go, future, I would project more success uh, for Acres long term. So that's kind of where I am with him. But I, he's not going to have a perfect production profile, but I think he's a lock, most likely, to be at least around two back next year. So uh, I think that's in the cards for him. Okay, well, if you want to talk impressive production profiles, I'm going to give you Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, man, uh, he could have three consecutive 2,000 rushing yard seasons. He actually has a chance to break uh, Danelle Pumphrey's college football rushing record of 6,400 yards. He could actually do it in three seasons instead of four. I mean, this is insane um, what he has done. So, um you know, if maybe some potential knocks, you know, 300-ish carries two years in a row. You don't love to see that. Yeah. And then we kind of <laughs> also have that Wisconsin Wisconsin running back um, situation where, you know, they just don't really throw. Uh, he's only got 16 receptions over his first two seasons. But, again, we already mentioned a former Badger 
and Melvin Gordon, who, you know, totally has gone out and proved that um, he was able to develop in that area. So g- give me a little uh, more on, on Jonathan Taylor. So I will have Jonathan Taylor as a prospect, even, even come out and coming out of high school, just because of, uh, he, he looked like a, a physical beast uh, and his teammates agreed. I remember uh, making like a, a do these touchdown time with Travis videos before the, his freshman season started. I was talking about how recently uh, in, in practices, his team name, his teammates had given him the name beast mode uh, before he even played a, a down in college. Like they were, they were before his freshman season, there were, there were like three running backs that were competing for the starting role. But really it was, they were, they were just kind of trying not to disrespect the uh, upperclassmen because Jonathan Taylor was the best back and he showed that immediately came down and put up 1,977 rushing yards in his first season, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage though. Two, I think it was 2,000, almost 2,100 yards from scrimmage. And then he did it again uh, last year. So what he's done immediately. Uh, just, just hitting the ground running and just destroying people. <laughs> uh, and teams know it's coming too. Like you said, Wisconsin runs the ball. They don't even have a quarterback basically. And yet he's just like, Hey, uh, what's up guys? I'm going to average 6.9 yards uh, per carry anyway. And, you know, get about 30 rushing touchdowns in your face anyway. And so, yeah, I'm not really concerned. With Jonathan Taylor, I think maybe his uh, elite level agility won't be there. He's somebody that I think next spring will abstain from the uh, agility drills, but he'll do the burst, uh, burst score stuff like vertical and broad, and uh, the forty because I think he's actually faster than a lot of people think. He actually ran a four four two coming out of high school, so he's right on par with the with the Swifts, so the ETNs in terms of uh, not in Swift, but ETN and like Acres when it comes to uh, just straight line speed. I think so. Lots to like with Jonathan Taylor. Well, Jonathan Taylor is the other guy that I mentioned that's in kind of that top tier for me uh, with uh, Swift and ETN. So um, I would absolutely uh, trade Mac for Taylor, probably regardless of team situation. I would be willing to try to piece together production from waiver wire or from subsequent trades uh, in order to get uh, Jonathan Taylor on my Devi taxi squad. So I'm, I'm going to yeah. assume you're in the same, in the same boat based off of, uh, how, yeah. how you just talked him up. But, um, he's just, that's really going to be fun to watch that, that record, um, situation. And he actually could become the all time, um, Wisconsin, uh, leading rusher for regular season. Um, Ron mm-hmm. Dane had almost 7,200 yards, including bowl games in his career, <laughs> but, uh, 6397. That's within striking distance. Basically, Taylor needs to do what he did last year, and he'll be right around that number. So uh, really going to be a fun fun player to watch uh, this fall. The last guy is a guy that's a little bit of a late riser. Didn't have the same um, high school career uh, of these other guys, even of, of Taylor maybe. But, uh, man, in 2018, he burst onto the scene. Eno Benjamin. Give me the lowdown, Travis. Yeah, you know, Benjamin, thank you, Herm Edwards, for uh, moving away from the uh, running back by committee for Arizona State. Because, I mean, Kalen Balaj had to split carries with a guy who never made it on an NFL roster uh, the year before. Uh, and, you know, Benjamin, uh, I, I was kind of concerned that, I mean, I loved him as a prospect. He was a four-star running back, but I was kind of concerned he was going to get uselessly committed with someone else uh, last year. Uh, in college fantasy football leagues, people were picking him high anyway, and that was the right call because he had – like 1,600 rushing yards, 35 receptions, 18 total touchdowns last year, and just absolutely exploded. I think he would have done something similar 
uh, even as a freshman, uh, had he been given the opportunity. But he actually kind of got hurt. I think it was the Army mm-hmm. game or, or something like that to end his high school career. But once he had the opportunity, he he answered the call. Uh, I don't think he has anywhere near the same long speed as the other guys in this conversation. But I think he's shown that he has the agility and the decision making to get downhill quickly. And obviously, he's a little bit undersized compared to a couple of these other guys. But I think if he has just a few pounds and shows up to the combine and, and does uh, okay, I think he's a lock for a day two uh, pick as well. I think he could be an early day two pick myself. Yeah, and I think uh, another recent prospect who had some of maybe the same concerns, not not a super huge back, uh, maybe not the the best long speed, but uh, very agile um, plus receiver, you know, Dalvin Cook. Uh, we already talked about other Florida State backs, but that not that it's a one-for-one comp, but I think that type of player can still find his way to draft pedigree and and be effective in the nfl you don't you know not not everyone is is going to run a a 4 4 40 and at the running back position we're not even you know without the weight going hand in hand with it running a 4 4 isn't necessarily predictive of of being a great back um i think you know agility and vision (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah we love it um but (laughs) you know there's so much um technical uh, ability that comes into play to have that success in the NFL and, and Benjamin, yeah. you know, might fit that bill. So Benjamin is another man. I think, I think I would keep Marlon Mack versus trading for Benjamin right now. And it, and it's, um, I, I still just think there's, there's a, a, a wideness to the range of outcomes of where he could be drafted. Um, and can he do the same thing two years in a row? Um, I mean, Herm Edwards is basically a dinosaur in terms of, of coaching. And so I, yeah. I'm guessing he'll still lean heavily on his running back one. Um, but, you know, I would like to see it. Um, and then the Pac-12, you know, um, running backs from that conference, I think, is a, a very mixed bag, too. Um, and so that, you know, just compared to some of the other guys we talked about, I mean, Big Ten, ACC, SEC, you know, unfortunately, Benjamin has uh, a, a little bit easier path here. and, and without the per touch efficiency i mean five and a half yards of carry is is okay you know it's not <laughs> yeah you know, it really not anything great. over five for college five is really kind of the low bar for college but really mm-hmm. like to see six even with the large volume that he had 300 carries you like to see six and i mean just case in point against a tougher big 10 jonathan taylor 7.1 per carry on a 300 plus rushing attempt sample so would like to see some of that improvement from benjamin but Plenty, plenty to like here, just not quite at that you know mid RB two dynasty value for me quite yet. Uh, would you trade Marlon Mack for you know Benjamin? No, I think I think that is a line where I would draw. I think uh, if you're talking about four running backs going ahead of somebody like Mack or three running backs going ahead of somebody like Mack, you're talking about next year having four, maybe five running backs in next year's class being top forty picks in startup drafts, which is pretty uh, pretty aggressive to assume a year ahead of time but i think uh, i think you know benjamin's that guy that I, I don't think there's any way he's around one prospect and so if he's a day two guy you know maybe in, in the pick 60 ish range something like that i'm still i'm still super excited but not going to move uh, somebody like mac in that in that range just yet yeah yeah all right well we're in lock we're in lockstep there man uh what yeah. we hope that uh you know this overview of the top five gets your appetite wedded uh for college football in 2019 um and it, you know if you're not playing Debbie yet 
um, man, just jump in a startup. You're going to have so much fun. It just adds that element of uh, dynasty roster management that you can't quite get in, in a traditional format. And it always keeps things interesting. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe you're playing and, and you feel like a, a certain league or a team has gotten stale. When when you throw the college prospects into the equation, um, trades can get so much more creative. Uh, there's just that many more games that you want to watch. It makes Saturdays so much more fun. Um, so really would encourage uh, the listeners to explore Debbie if you haven't. And and Travis and I uh, and the, uh, you know, Dynasty Command handle on, on Twitter, you can at any of those with with questions uh, around Debbie. And if you're looking for help, you know, in that Debbie startup, um, don't forget about the dynastycommandcenter.com slack. We've got a, a dedicated Debbie channel that, that Travis heads up and you can also get some advice from from me or Ryan McDowell or Scott Connor, some other um, well-versed um, Debbie players uh, in that channel. So, um, Travis, let's bring it home, man. Yeah, man. And as always, just really enjoy you all joining us and love all the, the feedback that we're, we're getting on this uh, podcast. And feel free to shoot questions because we, we want to get those answers uh, on the show or in, in our Slack at any time. But you can find Curtis on Twitter at CPatrickNFL. I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. And thanks again for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. But until next time, keep living that dynasty life. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.